All right, y'all, it's Valley of Dreams. I am Daniel, joined here as always by Phil. Phil, how on earth are you doing today? Very well, thank you. I just had a coffee session with my brother. Okay. And I am a, I've been uncled yes. again. I've been yes. uncled again. Yes. There's a new baby. Ooh. And the baby came out. Okay. Uh, Pretty quick. Went wow. in, the family went in at nine in the morning mm-hmm. and the baby was out. The second, the baby, the second of the family was yeah. out by six o'clock. Yes. That's a yes. fast, as far as I know, that's a fast one. So, Unanticipated. Is everyone pretty much allowed to go to the hospital, to the delivery room now, or is it still? No, no, nope. nah. no. Nope. Okay. But uh, word on the street or word on the, um, in the ward, I suppose, is that the first time that my brother, uh, the first kid that they had, it was also during COVID, the COVID yeah. pandemic. Jeez. And so they're at two the, COVID babies. Two, two COVID babies. And the first COVID baby, the they had the delivery in what's called, I guess it's a women's hospital, but it's very geared towards like 90% of the procedures that they do are all related to. Uh, childbirth. Right. And at that time, like everybody coming in, no one had COVID. Everybody was uh, um, very, I guess, uh, had ducked being, getting infected. Uh Apparently this time the word on the street is, is like half of the people in the hospital having babies and maybe the babies themselves (laughs) have some yeah. variant of COVID. Yeah. So things are much different this time, but luckily uh, we're very fortunate. Everything was, came out very healthy and, uh, but yeah, it's still kind of locked down in the sense that the people being admitted have COVID, but <laughs> they're not letting uh, family members and stuff come in. So. Okay. Okay. Well, shout <laughs> out to see- your brother. Uh, yeah. Shout out to your new status as a double uncle. Mm-hmm. We are, of course, here on Valley of Dreams. How are you doing, by the way? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, you know what, Phil? I am doing absolutely marvelous. Great. I am kind of fascinated by the cold weather that is surrounding me. I'm enjoying the sunshine. Got a nice cup of coffee. I'm off that sorghum. So life is good, you know? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, This, of course, is Valley of Dreams. It is a brand new year. But even as we move into this new year, you know, some of our old traditions remain. A lot of people, when they talk about Valley of Dreams, when they visualize me and Phil and our podcast, you know, a lot of people say it's America's premier music technology and lifestyle podcast, that's kind of a first level thing. When you drill down, when you really demand to know of people what they love about the podcast, what they demand from Valley of Dreams, every single time you are going to get one answer. It's the quick draw lightning round segment. Today on the quick draw segment, issue number one. Where are we at with New Year's resolutions? This is a brand new year. People love to sit around the table, eat some black-eyed peas, have some sheep's liver and some onions, and think about their goals for the next year. I personally have always been incredibly skeptical of the idea of New Year's resolutions. I don't see this particular day as a a day of import, a day that I care about at all. You know, I don't, why don't we just start this on March 1st or April the 17th um, or our birthdays, right? That's kind of where my mind goes when I think of New Year's resolutions. But I am open to having my mind changed. Phil, where are you at? with New Year's resolutions. Do you have New Year's resolutions? Are you skeptical of them? Do you wish that you had New Year's resolutions? 
I think one of the main just tactical, functional niceties about a New Year's resolution is that the math is very easy mm. in your brain, which mm-hmm. is when did you start doing that new P90X uh, thing? <laughs> oh, well, that was on the first of the year. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a, I, you know, personally, I'm very bad at date-based math. And so okay. if, if there was some sort of civil religion holiday on yeah. April 17th yeah. or March 3rd that okay. I – uh, needed to do a re- I needed to resolve something on yeah. that date. Yeah, I'd lose track of it very soon. Okay. But um, by saying, oh, "Oh, I started that the first of the year." Now, granted, I don't keep track of the days, but uh, <laughs> I think there is something to be said about starting from one. Yeah, 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 or yeah. zero. I and that. I think that's I think that's kind of interesting. I also I was thinking about this about how I. I'm on board for Christmas. Obviously, I like mm. all the holidays. I think yep. Thanksgiving is a cool one. Yeah. Um, I think birthdays are a cool one, but oh, yeah. I kind of yeah. think that New Year's could be the biggest banger out of all of them. And I don't know why it's not even Interesting. bigger. Like it should be shut this whole thing down for a month. Right. Like the way they do it, presumably yeah. the way they do it yeah. in China. And like Lunar possibly, New Year. Yeah. Just like, Let's crack this thing open right, right. and have it be a true full blown, the only federal holiday that is multiple days in length. Or because it's know if that's true, but because like, it's an opportunity for rebirth. Yeah, or, or what? Okay, and to close the books, it's Ooh. like you gotta have you gotta have some time to close the books, uh-huh. and you gotta have some time to do the deep thinking about Mm. your rebirth for the new year. So I say just close the whole thing down. Let's get multiple days. And this is confusing. When New Year's falls, New Year's Eve, I Mm. suppose, falls on a Friday. And then New Year's Day is on a Saturday. Uh Apparently there's confusion about when the holiday should be recognized during the work week. So some people say you don't get it. You just, (laughs) you, you blew it. It was yeah. on a Saturday. You don't yeah, get one. Yeah, yeah. Whereas some people are like, "Well, we'll re- we'll uh, we'll honor it on Monday." The, That's the, the I've heard. Monday. Many people are saying that Monday was a day off. I've heard that one. Yeah. Did you? What? Where are you at on that? Anyway, I I've ranted. <laughs> I've ranted on New Year's. I'm where am I? Days off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a fairly flexible schedule in terms of days off. I probably will go back to work in August of 2022 (laughs) um, as like a, you have to be here. We're going to work type thing. And I have been, you know, I'm working in the way that I work, but I have not been answering emails or things like that for quite a few weeks now. I would say since mid December or so, maybe deck 15. Wow, that's a really good break from deck fifteen to. I mean, August. come on, man. Yeah, <clears throat> I like. I I'm very down on work. Not that I don't like working. I'm down on the structure thing, and I think COVID has very much reoriented me towards the home life and having complete control over what's going on in my life. And I'm I'm on a path, you know. Good. Good. You so you'd have, say you have a yeah. resolution? You've resolved to a path? Mm-hmm. No, I don't have a resolution. Um, I've been real into health and nutrition since about August. And that was, you know, <laughs> actually related to a conversation that I had at a birthday party, but not my birthday party. So the big sorghum ads finally cracked you circa <laughs> August. <laughs> That is in your feed. Yeah. um, I, yeah, the health and fitness thing is always so interesting about the new year because apparently it's like the YMCA's biggest um, uh, drive towards getting new signups. And that's probably typical. Well, your boys at Equinox hit me up. And we're like, hey, you never came in for your free session. We'd love to tour you. And <laughs> you're like, you know. well, like, wow. in fact, I've been with multiple free sessions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which um, is probably going <laughs> to. 
the amount of sharing of passwords will probably lead us pretty quickly into the next topic of the quick draw. Uh, next on the quick draw segment, you are listening, of course, to Valley of Dreams. I am Daniel, joined here as always by Phil. Have we finished the Get Back documentary? The Get Back documentary, of course, is an eight-hour-long documentary using footage from 1969, the sessions that ultimately produced the Let It Be album. It's a a genuinely fascinating uh, saga. The Beatles show up in the studio. They don't really have a lot of material prepared. They jam, they write new songs, they practice. Ultimately, they end up on the roof, and then the next day they come in and record the other half of the album. I managed to get through, spoiler alert, all eight hours of this documentary uh, as a consequence of Thanksgiving and Christmas and time spent at my parents' home with a password that my brother acquired from someone else for, uh, what's that, Disney Plus. Right. Man, I, I love that. Community doc, acquired yeah. business, Disney Community Plus. acquired. <laughs> Phil, have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen probably 1,000 short clips of it that have been okay. littered over the internet. Okay. But this last week, I acquired Community Acquired Disney Plus. Woo! And I sat down to watch it. Yeah. And my wife said, my roommate said, don't watch that yet. And I said, oh, really? It's eight hours long. I think I think I can watch it whenever I want. And she said, just wait till we can watch it together. What? So, there's something going on in my roommate's head that thinks that we need to find eight hours of shared time together to watch a Beatles documentary. Ooh. However, over the break, this is really cool. Shout out to Nora, my niece. Mm-hmm. At Thanksgiving, I mentioned the Get Back documentary and how I was really interested in seeing it and that I was kind of, I was uh, projecting into the world that I needed a Disney Plus login. And um, I brought up that, hey, is anybody else interested in watching the Get Back documentary? And before I could finish my sentence, a voice from the other room said, no, I don't want to know anything more about the Beatles. I don't care about this new documentary. I'm 50 years old. I don't want to hear about the Beatles ever again. I've heard enough. End quote. And the rest of his children all agreed. Wow. Because they grew up maybe in like a Steely Dan household. Oh, no, jeez. <laughs> well, yeah, which I, I'm a whore with. I love Steely Dan. Don't get me wrong. A 50-year-old, like, the timing is kind of off, right? Yeah. And for Christmas, one of his children got me an Abbey Road t-shirt from mm-hmm. the store that they work at, which is a vintage – this is not a vintage shirt, but it's probably just yeah. like one of those like milled yeah. Abbey Road shirts that come out. But <laughs> – I think it's a cool shirt. The yep. fabric feels good. Mm. I'll probably wear it. Okay. And I thought it was really sweet that this family of Beatles haters <laughs> and a non-trolling, <laughs> non-snotty gift uh, went out of their way. A college student spent uh-huh. some of their money to get uh-huh. me a Beatles shirt. So anyway, no, I haven't seen the Get Back doc in its totality, but it's on my list to watch it with my wife. Okay, that's going to – good luck with that one, man. It's going to be really hard to find. Good luck. We'll see if you two – so the real challenge is making it all the way through episode two, to be honest with you. Ooh. Episode two is the episode that has the most – you're just hanging with the Beatles. And I, I have heard the argument that this film can just be watched infinitely because it is essentially hanging out with the Beatles, which turns out is actually pretty fun – and cool to do. And you can look at all their different gear. I recently watched a 28 minute long YouTube video called the guitars of get back in which a guy goes through all the different guitars <laughs> that you can see uh, mm-hmm. in the film. And I actually have been really interested in John Lennon's casino Epiphone casino guitar. Yeah. That he rocked during the 1960s. And I had always assumed, and this is really dumb of me, <clears throat> that he had two different casinos that he started with kind of the 
the sunburst and then moved on to the stripped pure wood casino. In fact, he had actually sanded down his starburst epiphone casino for that sort of natural wood look that he had during the late 1960s. Very cool. And personally, I have, I'm not really sure because I have not seen it in so long, but I am the owner of an Epiphone semi-hollow body guitar. And I am planning on making a trip sometime soon to get a hold of that guitar, maybe throw some fancy pickups on it, uh, see whatever upgrades um, it needs. I'm just really, really looking forward to getting to hang out with that guitar. You should sand it down. I I would like to do that. I don't know if I personally could actually do it successfully. Um, But yeah, I would, man, I think that would be so cool. The segues between all these quick draws are so perfect. Man, we are powerful. Because the sanding of a guitar I've done before, it's brutal. I've also removed frets from a bass and that was brutal. And I, I think I possess the skills to do it but not the artistry yeah, to, yeah, to be able to do yeah. something. But yeah, um, yeah, man, you should go get that guitar for sure. It's a feedback monster, oh, by know, the way. Man. I've played it I've been, recently. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. You played it it's, recently? Let's, within the last this, year or two. Okay, okay, okay. This, this is probably for a different segment. Um, <laughs> it's the Quick Draw segment, Home Improvement, Do We Have the skills. Man, man, man. I've been thinking so much about home improvement recently. I have an interest in acquiring a new fence and quotes for a new fence. I don't know what your fence situation is like, Phil. We're basically looking at between eight to $10,000 fence wise. And, you know, there have been some rumblings in the neighborhood that I could receive assistance from neighbors in putting up a fence myself. I do question whether I have the skills at all. There's something that I want to do with my furnace slash air conditioner. I'd like to replace the plenum on it. It is a ductboard plenum. I would like to have a uh, sheet metal plenum. Mm. Uh, you know, we talked about roofing on here. And I know for kind of the minor things, I have the skills. But I feel that for the next level up, I do not have the skills and I want to know, you know, I guess laying my cards out here on the table. Where are you at, Phil? Home improvement. Do we have the skills? I think there are a lot of skills necessary in order to do home improvement. Uh I possess probably 50% of the physical skills. Okay. My main problem is uh, organizing the time to complete the project in a good way. And uh, that's sort of my big one. So for example, I'm on team, let all my surrounding neighbors build fences and I will not build any fence. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) I think there's definitely uh, a, a path that you could take maybe through some legal maneuvering or, um, you could get a dog. Mm-hmm. You could like force the fence uh, from your neighbors. Um, you could gift them dogs. You could gift them anyway. So the uh, I'm bad at the project management aspect of it. I think it's because I do project management for my job. Okay. And when I get home, I have zero interest in mm. nagging uh, contractors to help me with the things I need done. So I am BTW, one reason for the fence. I am currently rocking a beautiful dog. I don't know if that's come up. Um, oh, no, I did not know. Wise, but this little guy is, oh, I don't know how old he is. We'll say he's half a year old or so. Golden Doodle, king of the neighborhood. We just walk around. People smile, laugh, and love on him. And he does, re- he has a bell that he likes to ring when he wants to go outside. He goes, uh-huh. Bring! <clears throat> I want to go outside. And so that's kind of a kind of an issue because the backyard is not fully enclosed. So you can't just say, all right, buddy, go on outside and do whatever you want to. Mm. You have to kind of go out there with him. Um, 
And so the, did I tell you the house next door to me is getting flipped? You did. You uh, told me that I should buy it once it's flipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So these guys next door are flipping this house, which BT dub hardwood floors throughout the entire house. <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, and they're going to sand them down. The kitchen, I can see the kitchen of the house right now in their backyard through their chain link fence. And I talked to the guy yesterday. They are not going to be putting in a new fence. He was like, we're just going to let the new homeowners do it. So you should try to have them flip your current house and just let you <laughs> stay in it. You know, uh, it's pretty flipped already. Um, well, I just mean like, Hey, I need a fence. Just be like, Hey guys, can you build a fence? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You already have all your gear here. You know where it is. You know, the wood for the fence is very expensive. Yeah, there's no way around that right now, really, unless you can come across a bunch of free wood somewhere. But uh, yeah, wood is outrageous right now, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. So, okay, we kind of have the skills, it sounds like. (laughs) Right. Is that that fair? (laughs) But we're also, for whatever reason, super against paying any money to have people do... (laughs) The work or buy well, the you know why? I mean, so when, when you were a kid, did your parents ever pay anyone anything to do anything? Never once, never once. Same. I never, you know, I, you know, maybe your dad's actually fixing stuff. We just like let everything become no. dilapidated. <laughs> Disrepair, yeah, is is part of life. Things run down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You learn it. Things run down. I think people were more accepting of that back then. Is that right? Now everyone wants everything to be nice. Man, but when you have something nice, boy, yeah. it's nice. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I went over to my parents' house. They bought a new a new yeah. house. Uh-huh. And I was talking to my dad and I said, hey, man, this is a nice house. This is like being on vacation. And he was like, it's exactly like being on vacation. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh my God. Because it's like one of those little like tiny, like kind of small empty nester houses, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, you're just like, yeah, man, this sounds, this is great. And then you go back to my house, which is great. I'm blessed to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it doesn't have that extra little pop. I said, huh. oh man, this is like being on vacation. Interesting. Yeah. I, li- I like it. I, you know what? Interestingly, when did you buy that house? Uh, 15. 2015. Okay. Wow. I was going to say you haven't had it for that long, but (laughs) it's really run down. You guys really run that thing. Why is that? I owned one tree and it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) What year was your house built in? 1919. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to get my parents to move in next door to me. I think that could happen. <laughs> just, that's a really good idea. Yeah, thank you. It was not originally my idea. Um, but I I have now endorsed it as an idea. Let us all right, so we have we've hit a lot of the good topics. New Year's resolutions, get back the dock, home improvements. This, of course, is Valley of Dreams. Next in the quick draw segment. This is kind of a long quick draw. The great resig. Nation. How does one go about quitting a job? Should one quit jobs? Why or why not? Phil. Uh, How do you quit a job? Mm. Well, I recently became a member of the resignation generation and (laughs) the resignators, the resignator. And it was, it was more confusing than I anticipated. Here's why. Okay. I have received as a, in my past resignation notices from staff members. You know, sometimes people are just like, I got to move on, man. I found a, I found another opportunity. Yeah, of course. And I always handled all the administrative things. Like I would reach out to HR. I'd make sure that if they had any security clearances that they were revoked, Mm. that, if they needed to return any property, I made sure that happened. Um, you know, like I'd organize some sort of uh, final day of activities where they would like hand in their badge and maybe we'd go to lunch or something like right, that. Right. I think maybe eat a cake. couple of things. Yeah, eat cake. Uh, now, granted, 
pandemics changed a little bit of this stuff, but mm-hmm. I told my boss I was resigning. Mm-hmm. The boss accepted. Then I received no communication <laughs> for two weeks. And maybe I'm the uh, jerk, but on the last day, I was just like, I'm out. <laughs> and apparently no one no one else knew. It was up to me to tell the company at large, I suppose, that I had resigned. Uh-huh. And maybe that just goes to show that I'm a bad employee. <laughs> but I I don't have a lot of experience with resigning personally. Just in the past. Is that you true? Know. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a serial resigner. You know, I think I've resigned one other time in my life. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So anyway, that's uh, how to do it. I think I don't really know how to do it. So, uh, yeah. So to me, I kind of like that as a resignation vibe. You know, personally, if I were to resign, I would not tell anyone. I would just do it and I would go to HR and move through those channels. You know, I, I kind of don't like the whole I'm um, moving on, people telling a whole big story to everyone about, yep. about resigning. Oh, yeah. I, but the thing is, but, I didn't even go to HR. I think that's maybe where I screwed up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You thought that the other person was going to handle your situation in the way that you've handled previous situations. Right. Um, I think maybe another one other thing is, is I try to talk to HR as little as possible about anything. I don't really, I don't expect them to be involved with anything Mm -hmm. unless it's something Mm -hmm. really nasty, like insurance or, um, you know, uh, yeah, just HR stuff. I don't know. I don't really ever really want to talk to them. I'm just like, nah. Yeah. I don't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't talk, talk to, to me. Man. I don't talk to you. Yeah. We'll keep it that way. <clears throat> and apparently I should have, I don't know. I'm going to say I shouldn't have done anything. Well, were there implications for you in terms of your actual resignation as a consequence of this? Well, I don't, I think if I wouldn't have said anything, mm-hmm. I said something at the last day on the very last day, as I was leaving, I was like, Hey, I have this corporate credit card. What should I do with it? <laughs> and um, they're like, keep using it. Yeah, just keep blasting through it. Put your DoorDash on it even harder. And then, like, you know, I've got um, a four hundred one k. Where it's like, right. hey, I would like to know what is expected to happen with yeah. the the four hundred one k. And that's why I would talk to HR. And the, in I, that situation, the only thing that matters is your retirement plan. Right. And I also don't want to deal with the hassle of them accidentally paying me for another <laughs> period of time. That's so on that, them though, right? Yeah, you have to give it back. You know, it's not like oh, you're going to... You? Oh, come on. Yeah, they, they yeah, take someone it. someone accidentally pays you, they're not going to claw it back. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just didn't want to have to deal with... I didn't even want to have to deal with that. Um, uh-huh. Of, hey, you accidentally gave me some money. No, you're not getting it back. <laughs> My advice to everyone, and I think that the entire Valley of Dreams team feels this way, just resign. Just get done with your job. There are plenty of other things to do in life. Life is probably <laughs> fairly short. There are a lot of forests to walk around, rivers mm. to canoe on, uh, trails to hike on, home improvements to engage in, guitars to sand down. Do you really want to spend your entire life doing whatever it is people do at work, playing Candy Crush Saga? Is that really what you want? Not me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Valley of Dreams. We are here in a brand new, beautiful year. I am Daniel, joined as always by Phil. This is America's premier music technology and lifestyle podcast. Today on the music segment, where will guitar-based rock go in 2022? I've had a very difficult time so far this year. I keep calling it 2020. It feels like we're finally transitioning from 2019 into 2020 for me, but in reality, it is 2022. I have gained many years 
over the course of this here pandemic. And I learned recently, you know, we had a conversation on the show. Uh, Phil was telling me that Nas had won a Grammy for best rap album for King's Disease One, which came out during the pandemic and which I did not even know existed until I was watching an interview about King's Disease Two. BT Dub Nas has another new album out, which does not oh seem good to me um, oh when I listen God. to it. Yeah, I think he's just on a roll right now. Um, the Strokes won a Grammy in 2021. So last year, oh, yeah. completely unbeknownst to me, and I should have been listening more closely to what Phil was saying about the power of legacy <laughs> acts at the Grammys. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> last acts. year at the Grammys, The Strokes, your favorite band from 2000, The Strokes won a Grammy for Best Rock Album. According to my Googling, Best Rock Album has only existed since 1995. I don't really know what all that means. Where's guitar-based rock going, if anywhere? Phil, what are you doing with guitars? Are you listening to The Strokes? Is there a future for this type of music? You know, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who said that the guitar when we look back at it in 200, 300 years, we'll be a flash in the pan. <laughs> and, and I, was, I was blown away by that. I was like, you don't yeah. think the, the guitar is going to be something that sticks around? And the person said, no, wow. I think it was just a flash and, or will be just a flash. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And one of the things that I have has come across because I was looking at the latest list of the top 10 uh, songs of the year for the Grammys. And there are two that involve Brandy Carlisle. And I think they're both piano, piano driven songs. Okay. People love <laughs> piano. People are like, what about that Adele? What, hit? what about the Adele hit? Yeah, that one. And I don't know. I'm not feeling good about guitar rock. I think it's I think it's on the way. I think it's on the way out. Even though Brandy Carlisle is a known guitar, solid, great guitar player and Mm. songwriter. Mm. um, I think the piano Mm. is really coming back. I think people uh, want the piano. People want more electronic noises than a guitar. I think they want, I don't really even know. I mean, I clearly don't know what people want, but I haven't heard anybody come through with banging, banging mm. riffs mm. lately. Okay. Let me ask you this. Mm. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own personal journey since December 15th or so. Um, I was thinking a lot about, well, first of all, I watched part of the Get Back documentary back during Thanksgiving. And man, just seeing those guitars really got me very excited about making music. And of course, as everyone knows, I, eh, six months or so ago, bought myself a brand new Les Paul. It's the traditional Pro 4 model, which is beautiful. I love it. It is a great instrument. Um, I am, of course, rocking a Fender Blues Junior amplifier. And I started watching this Get Back program, and I was like, man, I need to get back into (laughs) the game, you know? Like, the things that motivated me in life, which are basically, you know, like, what do I like? I like to walk around, I like to read, I like to listen to music, and I like to play music. That's it, you know? Like, that's what I like. Um, So I started thinking about that a lot, and, you know... I'm a guitar player. That's pretty much where I'm at. Like it's my strongest instrument, definitely. Um, And so I started thinking a little bit about guitar based rock. And of course our good friend, Brandon, shout out to Brandon. A while ago we had a conversation with Brandon where he told us that space hog was one of the best bands of all time. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, definitely. And man, I was just incredulous, beyond incredulous. Very. I mean, I just, I just thought that was a ridiculous claim. 
until I started listening to Space Hog. Um, oh, no. Tur- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it turns out that Space Hog is very good, particularly if you... So we experience them as like a one-hit wonder that we barely even heard the hit of, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll take right, that. Well, that's how I experienced them. And I couldn't even, you know, 20 however long afterwards it is. I can even think of how the song goes in the meantime. Um, just really hot baseline on it, by the way. So I started listening to that and I was listening to it through the lens of this is a band that's like Bowie or T-Rex, which is yep. how Brandon said that we should listen to them, which was very insightful and accurate. And when I listened to them through that lens, suddenly I love them. I also, uh, in reading some reviews of them, began to perceive them as a forerunner of the reemergence of guitar-based rock that occurred during the early 2000s. So the Strokes, Interpol, all, I don't really like Interpol that much. All of those bands from that time period that were more rock, right? Not grunge, alternative rock, not uh, in sync, not emo. They were just kind of straight rock, right? Um, and then I said to myself, well, maybe I should be listening to The Strokes. And then I pulled up the Spotify of The Strokes. And man, how many times can you listen to Is This It? I think I already played out my times 15, 20 years ago, right? Mm, mm-hmm. So great album and it has a lot of like genuine good songs on it. Hits, you know, interpolations of Tom Petty songs, don't get me wrong, uh, but some really, really great music on there um, and music that I loved very much at the time. Their new album is way better. Their new really? album is fantastic. You're talking about uh, The Strokes, right? I'm talking about The Strokes, who I borderline a hater about, to be honest with you. Um, mainly because uh, our friend who uh, owns Union Jacks, he has a friend, I believe his name is Paul, yep. who will always tell you that The Strokes are the best band of all time. Just constantly saying, oh, The Strokes are like the best band. And you're just like what are you talking about, man? You know, like in what world is this your line? You know, that the strokes are the best band of all time. That's a whole life on Reddit of people who are, like, <laughs> you know, the only band I can listen to infinitely, you know, it's the strokes and the Beatles is it for me, you know? Yeah. That's um, a sub, sub, <clears throat> sub Reddit. It's a yeah, sub. Yeah, that's a yeah. sub. So, you know, a lot of the Strokes albums, when I heard them at the time, basically sounded like bad versions of their first album. You know, kind of the same sound, same vibe. And this is a well-known critique, obviously, of the Strokes, but not the hits. Uh, I don't feel that way about the new Abnormal. I feel that it is a fantastic album that brings them in a sonically new direction. And I never noticed that the guitar playing on Strokes albums is good. Good. Never yeah. noticed. Did yeah. you notice that? I've always, um, I wish I knew more uh, about the the individual musicians and like who was the yeah, most yeah. responsible for the melodies and stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah man, I mean, it's it's interesting. All of the the progressions are, they're interesting, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going to get me a lot of sneers or if Brandon were here, he'd probably yell at me. But like, you know how like a, uh, Smith's guitar playing is very um, uh, iconic and like its own thing. I kind of yeah. feel like I'm not saying it's the exact same thing, but like you can tell it's a stroke mm. song because yeah. the, like, the guitar playing is, yeah. is very like, that's the strokes. That's like yeah, the sound that they yeah. do. And those are the chords and like the way that the, the guy's brains think about putting songs together, which is yeah, cool. The, the dual guitars, the chord structures are always unique um mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i, that I don't kinda, know i don't know what happened to me over the last 20 years or so but i feel like i've really missed out on some gigantic portion of life and i'm gonna try to fill it 
And I did get a hold of the Jekyll and Hyde distortion and overdrive. Uh, what do you call it? A foot switch? Pedal. Um, uh-huh. Foot switch. Pedal that is so prominent in the Strokes sound. And I've really been enjoying uh, playing that recently. Hey, semi-embarrassing, but no, no. where are you at on the band Spoon? <laughs> I am nowhere on them because I really have always disliked their name. Yeah, their name is a complete deal breaker for me yeah yeah that's pretty much where i'm at on them and i remember you know they were very cool i want to say in the late 90s maybe it was the early 2000s and they're supposed to be kind of like indie rock out of austin i guess right that's right yeah out of austin the name was too not really up my alley yeah the i'll tell you what though i was driving in the car today and um a song from their 2017 album Hot Thoughts yeah. came on. And T H O T S or <laughs> I think that's maybe the the uh, the the little joke. No, T yeah, T H O U G H T S. Hot Thoughts. Um H A U G H T Thoughts. But yeah, it was or whatever. The um, thoughts. It's things that are up in your brain. T H O U G H T S. Thoughts, <laughs> right? So I I don't like Spoon at all, but that song came on, and I was like, yeah. "Man, this is kind of this is kind of jumping." Yeah. I kind of like this. Um, and then I came home and I started reading about it, and it turns out the internet seems yeah. to like that album, and that mm-hmm. maybe Spoon is worth a listen. But mm-hmm. I could never, I could never tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Go check out the new Spoon album. <laughs> just sounds just it's spoon not for me. Spoon man. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The major the spoon hit. No spoon man. The word oh. is no good. No, it's I bad. think they, we need to replace the word spoon with just another word. Right. Like if their band name was just Hot Thoughts. Ladle. <laughs> yeah, Hot Thoughts is a great band name. Well, I mean Hot Thoughts. No, oh, that's a pretty good band name. I might cool. take that. I might take that. T H O T S. Oh man, it's Valley of Dreams. I'm Daniel, joined here as always by Phil. We're known for a variety of things. The quick draw the music segments, and of course, we are America's premier technology podcast. Personally, I'm straight out of Silicon Valley. I was just over there. I've been spending more time than I normally do in the Valley over the past few months. And have I walked by the former headquarters of Theranos recently? Yes, I have. Have I known of suspicions about Theranos for a very, very long period of time? <laughs> yes, I have. Um. <laughs> I'm interested about that. Are you, you were, you're, I mean, you're tangent to, you're kind of tangent to healthcare professionals and healthcare research. Is Has it been known that this thing was just too, too good to be true? It was widely understood that the technology that was being promised was incredibly implausible. Yes. Yeah, I mean... It it was also... I I will say that I had a close family member who is known to be an exercise instructor slash walking enthusiast. That's not the the person I thought you were going to mention that knows a little bit about, a little bit about. Who who is known to like to ride her bicycle. And Mm -hmm. this close blood relative of mine did in fact have multiple altercations with Theranos security back when Theranos was a thing. And I heard, you know, I easily a decade ago or maybe not seven, eight years ago. um, I was hearing that some questionable things were happening at Theranos. So this, 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 uh, this blood relative, ironically, (laughs) um, was riding their bike through the blood testing 
<laughs> property. Well, she wanted to lock her bicycle up at Theranos on okay. multiple occasions. And Theranos would not allow her to do this, which she found to be incredibly sketchy, given that they were allegedly this sort of very nice giving to the world. We're doing special things type company. She thought this is a biotech company. Why are they so focused on security and my bicycle? It's also a pretty well-known fact that the Thera bros who were the frat bros who worked for Theranos, the Thera bros loved to fly their uh, drones on Kite Hill in Palo Alto and often did so in an unauthorized fashion. And I have in fact also heard this family member <laughs> yell at Thera Bros while on the phone with me. Oh my gosh. This is this is way more than I even knew was available. I, I think we should have a dedicated podcast just to this. The the in the pal or the neighborhood intrigue yeah. of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, I'm a little tuned into this situation and you know, it's, it definitely is close to home for me. Yes. That, that may be why I like to talk about it so much on the podcast. Well, Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos, former CEO of this company, has now been found guilty. The question that I want to bring to Phil, and we can circle back to any other things that Phil wants to talk about. The question that I want to bring to Phil, and you're kind of a Bitcoin crypto enthusiast in your own way. Um, you're maybe a little skeptical of the metaverse as a future, but you're you're on the the crypto train as I understand it. And there's been this huge shift towards crypto in the valley, which is to me seems dumb and pointless. Um, and mm. that's all you want to do is invest money in useless stuff. Phil, is there hope for Silicon Valley in the aftermath of the Elizabeth Holmes conviction? I think so. And are you capable of calling her Elizabeth Holmes when it's not written down in front of you? Or do you accidentally call her Katie Holmes all the time? No, I, in my house, we call her Betty, Betty Holmes. Okay. Is there hope for Silicon Valley? I mean, I I think people always talk about this. Is happens a lot. It's like it'll be like a, the utter collapse of the healthcare system, and I always wonder. I I think the healthcare system is stressed. I can see it being stressed. Um, you know, you listen to this is kind of out there, but if you listen to earnings calls for any of like the major insurance companies, everybody's talking about COVID, mm-hmm. and you know how. Uh, the first year of the pandemic, you know, was, uh, was, uh, was weird financially for all these mm-hmm. healthcare providers and systems. And, you know, in this most recent year was, you know, like the elective surgeries were back up, but then also dealing with people's complications from COVID. And now they're saying like, okay, well, we've adapted, we've adjusted and, um, things are going to be keep going on. Uh, they don't anticipate unless like something else totally wild that's completely different than COVID that happens at scale. Like things are like kind of back quote to normal, at least um, in their projections. And I was thinking about this recently and how um, uh, Silicon Valley, like people are like, is it not, is it irredeemable or like um, the collapse of the healthcare system? What does collapse even really mean? And so I think Silicon Valley probably has other problems, which it might just no longer be financially even doable to live in the Valley or Palo Alto. And that the transition to remote work and people having being forced to become good at working remotely Mm -hmm. or even just like capable of working remotely may make Silicon Valley just turn into, um, I don't know, just like another, another city, you know, like it, it'll probably always be an interesting place as like the birthplace of a lot of different technology. But I'm kind of of the mind that there's no reason to have a, a physical nexus wow. for this type of 
rapid innovation anymore. So, so your your vision of the future is very much one in which these computers and new forms of connectivity supplant the face-to-face interaction that has fostered so much creativity over the past 200,000 years of humanity. Well, this I was talking to somebody about this very recently about um, we have a shared he and I had a shared uh, family background a little bit in the sense that his great grandparents were from uh, Eastern Pennsylvania mm. and I'd never talked to this person about anything personal before but you know I recently resigned and so we just started talking about some stuff you know just like shooting the breeze about right, right. whatever was going on and he told me that his grandparents used to own a uh, a roadside gas station and um, like convenience store in like the early 20th century. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. So did my grandparents, except it wasn't a convenience store. It was a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we both were like, did most people kind of just like work out of their homes back in the yeah. day? Uh-huh. <laughs> like business and living yeah. or your house life were very, very interconnected. And right. it's only been like maybe this is all, all just speculative nonsense. But then mm-hmm. I was thinking like, has it really only been like two generations where somebody leaves the home and goes off to do, you know, um, sits in another building <laughs> industrialization the movement away from farms into cities well yeah i mean even the even in the city you know like how far you really were you really traveling like you know you're still probably very much home based in a lot of things that you were doing but anyway i just i was like wow that's interesting maybe remote work if people get good at it enough you will want to work with the best people in the world and maybe the best people in the world can't be physically close to you. Um, and maybe we don't need that anymore. But the so, interactions are really not of the same quality. Um, I think in a lot of and cases, you can't you're right. meet new people. I mean, that's the, the, the killer for me is the lack of networking and socialization, which for me personally uh, sort of is the driver of creativity and new things. Yeah. And I, I don't think I, I was talking to this person about this. I don't think it's one or the other. I just think the mm-hmm. bias will go. I'm hoping I'm interested in seeing if the bias goes away from requiring mm-hmm. a person to be the, in a physical place uh-huh. all through their work life versus, Oh yeah. You show up to a physical place occasionally you yeah. use the workplace as a tool to to get work done but it's not like a required tool to get and that seems work like done. a far better use of everyone's time than making us go to work every day right <laughs> yeah i mean like this new job i'm gonna start a new job in a couple of weeks okay. and it is during the pandemic it transitioned to 100 percent remote good and but the very first thing I'm going to do is go meet in the city where my boss lives. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to go to like rent a, a spot there and meet quickly to do like things that arguably are better in person, which yeah, would be yeah. like intense knowledge transfer mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and like intense like work uh, cultural bonding or whatever yeah, yeah, that even yeah. really means, but you know, like yeah. trust building, which I've realized is kind of fuddy duddy, but like, Very you know, important. it's yeah. like, Hey, you get to know somebody, you loosen up and you, yeah. you know, you, yeah. Yeah. you're maybe more comfortable having innovative ideas around somebody that you've met physically, but by no means is it like you must be here every day. In fact, don't come in every day, Mm-hmm. Work at home, mm-hmm. and when if you need the if you need a physical space as a tool to be more productive, we'll make them available to you. But it's not like a required tool. That's a beautiful thing, Phil. I um, like that future. It'd be cool. Cool. So, anyway, is there hope for Silicon Valley? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at on it? You sound like I mean, if they keep up with these drones, I think they should burn the whole place down, man. I guess no, that's probably think, not very appropriate to say in California. You know, I think but- that concentrating 
people who have a certain skill set or a variety of skill sets that together can accomplish new things is incredibly powerful. I do think that we're far too constant, you know, neither of us are coastal people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that our current sort of cutting edge culture is too concentrated on the coasts. And I find that a little disturbing. You know, when I'm in the Valley, one thing that I often think of is, man, you could just take all of these people and move them to Dallas and they would all be pretty happy. You could move yeah. them to Detroit. You could move, yeah, no, yeah. and I think Detroit's tried to do that, right? Yeah, I know. It's like Chattanooga. You could move yeah. them all to Chattanooga. Well, or, Chattanooga is great, and they've invested pretty heavily in high-speed internet. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, got, you know, they've got mountains there also. I think mm. the problem for me with Detroit is it's too cold. Oh, yeah. I, Detroit's a, a bad example, but like Chattanooga, there's – what is it? And – um. There's some city in Alabama that's paying uh, like a some ten thousand dollars maybe to relocate, and then maybe even some sort of housing mm-hmm. mortgage mortgage mm-hmm. assistance mm-hmm. to move to. Oh, it's Shoals. Um, oh, Muscle Shoals. Yeah, uh, to move there and I'm like that sounds totally fine. How come I just. <laughs> Move yeah, there. I, I think Northern anything. Alabama continues to have a really strong future. You know, they got Huntsville. There's a lot going on in that area. If I were to, I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that now that we've moved everyone to the coasts and concentrated them yeah. there, it's just going to stay that way. I feel like the the Silicon Valley is a little self perpetuating. You know, kind of once you're in that bubble, leaving seems like a bad call. Um, and well. Then you're, yeah, I mean, this is the pop There's culture version. There's a lot version, to be said like, for being around the right people, man. You know that. I know that. I'm not saying that that that's not true. I know that. That's 100 percent sure. I just, however, I just hired three people to help me with uh, one of my side projects. Mm-hmm. They're three C sharp software engineers, mm-hmm. and they're game developers. And one of them's in Milwaukee, another one's mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, and another mm-hmm. one of them is in Brooklyn. Yeah, and. They are all great. Yeah. And yeah, I know yeah, I know being in close proximity to them would probably make things even better. But mm-hmm. um, I think the trade-off, though, is I'm willing to accept, which is, uh, you know, um, I can... <laughs> not having to move or move them. <laughs> not having to move or move them. Or pay them more. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and like, there's some, I, I, you know, I definitely don't have the foresight into this, but there's probably a point where, I mean, Tesla did it. They apparently are moving their operations to Texas because it's more mm-hmm. financially advantageous. I think that's the argument. I don't really know, but it would make sense to be like, oh, I need a ton of land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need, I need lax uh regulatory environment um yeah no i mean i think texas we we obviously are the future right i think you know we're basically you know i was like oh we're not coastal but i mean we are first of all gulf coast is a coast come on um second of all you know the the environment i think is more coastal than an inland environment to be honest with you and yeah particularly I think Austin and Houston and, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth to a lesser extent. If you move here from California, you're not going to be like, Oh, what is this? Oh, this is crazy. But, you know, it's just going to be like, Oh, this is pretty normal place that is highly affordable and sunny. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is, yeah, it's, I'm always so curious because like the Valley is, uh, every time I've been there, I've always had a great time, mm-hmm. but I don't see people aren't just like, I don't know a lot of people that are in tech and maybe this is completely not right, but that are in tech that take a lot, a full advantage of the environment that they're in. <laughs> None of them take advantage of the environment. <laughs> so there's no reason me? to be there. It's no, like, no. I mean, yeah, no, they go to work, man. You know? So it's like, yeah, you live, there's, I mean, 
it's not personally where I would want to live yeah. long term, but yeah. there's a ton of stuff to do that I just don't think is being maxed out as yeah, like yeah. the way it's yeah. being maxed out. And like, I don't know, this is probably a bad comparison, but like, I feel like people who live in Seattle are maxing out Seattle. <laughs> Like we're on a ferry right now, right? Right. And people are Pearl Jam. People are always going to Bainbridge Island. Right? Like yeah, Bainbridge, yeah, yeah. Bainbridge. Yeah. Bainbridge. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I got a bad attitude. Yeah, no, I, I also right. I also don't live there, so I don't really know anything yeah, about yeah. it. But well, it's also it may be that if you we were 10, 15 years older, we might have a different perspective or younger. That, yeah, <laughs> or younger. Um, I mean, we may be a little bit in the you're still hustling phase of life if yeah. you're in. Silicon Valley rather than on the hey I'm yachting all the time oh yeah so soon so soon they get this yacht ladies and gentlemen this of course has been Valley of Dreams I am Daniel speaking for Phil we will see you next week on the program